And a very pleasant good Saturday afternoon to you. It's another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander, and uh, I think we have the audio situation figured out for the YouTube portion of, uh, of the show. Huh? But, huh? huh? Uh, oh, yeah, you need, there you go. <laughs> uh, I needed to turn that on. On the other side of the, the glass, as it were, is my buddy uh, Bunker de France. And uh, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Hey, you know what? What's up? We woke up this morning in the Switzerland of Arizona. We did. I mean, every mountain, the Tucson Mountains, the Rincons, the Catalinas, and the Santa Rita's especially, Mm -hmm. snow and snow way down. Mm. That's kind of neat. As long as it stays up there. I mean, we had snow yesterday. Oh, we had had snow. We had lots of snow. It was beautiful. When we went to every Friday, Bunker and I do breakfast, and it was uh, uh, snow. It was snow. And it was neat. I loved it. Yeah. And it kept snowing until around 1230. Yep. Yeah, and then it finally, and then once it stopped snowing, it immediately down here melted. My wife was not very pleased. (laughs) With the snow. Oh, she you know, hates, everybody I know is all whining and complaining, yeah. and I'm going, oh, this is wonderful. Yep. All it. right, so you've got some uh, cowboy news there. Well, I've got a, a, a smidgen of news uh, just to bring folks up to date. Uh, this next Saturday and Sunday, the Tucson Festival of the Books out at the University of Arizona will be blasting out the doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, our good amigos with the Western Writers of America have two booths. They have the writer's booth, which the various writers there will be there with copies of their books, mm-hmm. uh, ready and willing to sign up and talk with you. And I guarantee you, you can't find a better group of people to visit nope. with because nope. they will visit. <laughs> and <will>. then, <laughs> yeah, and then the, the, uh, the organization itself has its own booth, a little separated uh, by a few tents. I think that's to keep the feuding down. Yeah, right. but but uh, and Mr. Boggs, Johnny Boggs, our good amigo, he spends an awful lot of time there. Uh, sometimes some of the folks from True West are there because mm-hmm. they share that booth, mm-hmm. and it's just a it's just a great it's a great opportunity to get out, breathe some desert air, and especially with the way that the weather's been, it'd be nice and crisp. It's be a delightful day. The uh, this book festival is like the third or fourth largest in the United States. Yeah, getting bigger. So it's uh, yeah, getting bigger, and that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, let's see. I still got more news. If unless you oh, want something else, no, no, I, you go. Okay, well, please do. Tomorrow is the last day of the uh, little powwow. I guess it's kind of like Indian craft and powwow up at the up in Oracle at the Oracle Inn mm-hmm. Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. It's indoors so you won't freeze your tuchus off. <laughs> There's free parking and I'll tell you what, if you're there and you want to grab a good meal, they got some pretty good food. They actually have German food. Well, das ist gut. well. And then next uh, Saturday and Sunday out at Pima College uh, West Campus, they're having another powwow and this will be a little bit bigger. They're going to have various drummers, drumming groups. They're going to have uh, dances, the whole thing. You know, it's more like the old powwow we used to have out at uh, out at the uh, racetrack, mm-hmm. which was a great event. Nice. Well, that uh, that's going to be a, a fun time to to see as well, I'm sure. Again, this is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West uh, for a Saturday. It is Movie Saturday, the last Friday. Or last Friday, last Saturday of the month, and uh, well, maybe Friday somewhere. I'm sure it is. Uh, the other side of the, the back side of the world, I guess. 
Oh, well, that, that, if it goes, doesn't go backwards, it goes forward, so it must be Sunday somewhere. All I know is it's 5 o'clock somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, we're uh, it is Movie Saturday. We're going to be talking about uh, the movies uh, and other uh, career goodies uh, from Paul Fix. You know him as Micah from The Rifleman. And Marshall Torrance. Marshall Torrance. Quite the... Uh, Quite, quite, quite the movie career. More than 400 well, credits. three hundred, More than 300 westerns to his name. Well, the guy, phenomenal. I, I, looked, I was looking at his credits, and I pushed the, pushed the scroll button. Mm-hmm. And bear in mind, this wasn't just a column. It was three columns. Wow. And it just kept rolling. It was like looking at Yakima Canuts credits. It was mm-hmm. like, is it ever going to stop? We were going to have our good friend Todd Roberts uh, join us today, but he's involved in something regarding his business, so he's not going to be able to make it with us today. But he did want to, want me to pass on a, uh, uh, a Paul Fix tidbit. There was an episode of The Rifleman, and he couldn't remember which one it was, and I can't recall it either. But uh, what it was, uh, Micah, this guy br- is brought in, uh, to uh, to the town there, and Micah has to put him in jail. Well, apparently Micah had known this guy in the past, and it was uh, not a good good gathering, as it were. And what we did not, what the audience did not know, was that Micah was a teetotaler, and uh, he never, you know, after after whatever the uh, situation was, he quit drinking. With this guy brought back. Micah goes off the wagon. Yeah, I remember that episode. And yeah. it was uh, one of those that was uh, truly a good episode. So uh-huh. if you'd like to join us in our conversation here today with uh, uh, Bunker and myself about um, uh, actor Paul Fix, uh, the number's on the YouTube screen there. And for those of you not on the YouTube, I'll let you know it is 844-908-WEST, 844-908-908. Nine three seven eight, and it's free. And by golly, it is free. Okay, so what do we want to do? Well, I, I, first of all, I just want to thank my good amigo or amiga, uh, Margot. She kept bugging me that we should do Paul Fix, and mm-hmm. I agreed with her. And I, I, I said, Harry, let's do Paul Fix, and he said, Hell yes, why not? And so that's what we're doing. And this is interesting. His real name is Paul Fix, but it's Peter Paul Fix. Right. Now, it's a good thing he didn't have a sister named Mary. <laughs> you know, and he, he was born okay. in March 13th, 1901 in the New Century, Dobbs Ferry, New York. Uh, he passed away in October of 1983 out in L.A. He, and this is the thing that kind of blew me away. From what I was able to gather, he was six foot tall. But he was—he played with so many tall actors. I never thought of him as being six foot tall. Mm-hmm. But you know, like Chuck Connors, you know, was, who was actually taller than John Wayne, yeah. who was six foot four. Yeah. No wonder he looked short. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. And what else have I got on him? Let's see. Well, okay. His uh, his. Where was Let me look. Oh, here we go. You know, his father was a fellow named Wilhelm. Fix. He was a brewmaster, mm-hmm. which is a good occupation, you know, because you can always make a living making making and selling beer. There you go. And his mom was Louise Waltz, and they were immigrants from the Black Forest region of Germany, and they came over sometime in the 1870s, 1880s. Uh, 
let's see, let's move on. Around 1917, uh, Ball joined the New York National Guard. Mm-hmm. Three months later, he went AWOL. Why? But he joined the Army. Do we know why he went AWOL? I don't know. He probably didn't like it. And plus the fact that World War One was going in Europe, and he probably, maybe he wanted a young man, wanted to get into the action. But anyhow, he, he, he went AWOL to join the Army. Got a, and yeah, then... Got a picture here of uh, Peter Paul Fix uh, from the U.S. Navy, 19... Looks like 1918. Yeah. And anyhow, after three three months in the Army, he went AWOL <laughs> and joined the Navy. Now, one of the funny things is when he joined the Navy, he'd been there for a short time, and they stuck him in a Navy Relief Organization production of HMS Pinafore. Mm-hmm. And I got a feel that's probably where he got the bug. Got the acting bug there, yeah. But his career, is he became a Navy corpsman, which is one of the most respected yes. uh, positions in the Navy. Yes. Uh, on the troop ships, bringing boys over and back from mm-hmm. Europe. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, then he was discharged in September 1919, and he went back in New York. He started doing little theater and stock companies, and then sometimes in the 20s, he moved out to Hollywood and hmm. started getting some work there. Uh, let me see what I got here. Let's see what else have I got here that might be of interest here. Oh, while he was there, he became a lifelong friend of John Wayne which is where an awful lot of people who are familiar with Wayne are familiar with Fix because mm-hmm. he was in at least 27 of his uh, films. Yes, he was. And i uh, got another picture up there more of uh, when he was uh, played Micah on uh, The Rifleman. I also have a little clip here oh, sure. of uh, Paul when he, uh, th- uh, this is about a 30-second clip, and essentially what it is is uh, him appearing in uh, the Desert Trail from 1935 with uh, John Wayne. And, I mean, the the likeness is just, in, well, obviously uh, it does look like him, but he is so, so young. 1935, he would have been, what, 34 years old? Maybe 35 years Something old. Like that, 34, 35. And... Uh, he did a number of John Wayne movies. It just happens that it was uh, <clears throat> this one that I, I found. And Desert Trail. I've seen Desert Trail. It's uh, pretty doggone good, I think. Mm-hmm. So, um, Well, let's talk a little bit about Desert Trail. I found my notes here. That was a Lone Star monogram and released by Columbia. Uh, it was, the release date was 8-20, August 20th, black and white. It ran 55 minutes. The director was Colin Lewis. And let's see what we got here. Mary Corman was the leading lady. Henry Hall was in it. That's the only reason I'm not mentioning the other is because Henry Hall, we would know the others would scratch our head. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. But uh, and, and then of course getting into his personal life here, he was married twice. Where have we got those notes here? Oh, here we go. Frances Harvey. I couldn't find out much about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was married from 22 to 45 and divorced. They had one child. And then he, mar- he married uh, Frances Harvey uh, from 1949 to 79 when she passed away. His daughter, his one child daughter, Marilyn, she married Harry Carey Jr. Yeah. And they had four kids. Yeah. I think that's so cool. Yeah, I, it is I so neat. That, that he you was know, the you just, father-in-law. 
and that's you know, it's funny because that kind of tells you like the old Hollywood community there, the people that did westerns kind of married within the people who did westerns. And it's you know, not, John Ford's son-in-law. Yeah, right. It, it's Ken Curtis. It, it's not. <laughs> It's not like down south. No. <laughs> Used Cousins. to be, or, or maybe in some areas still is, and uh, in other areas in remote Arizona still is. Uh, that's your cousin? <laughs> no. Wasn't, well, you know, like that. you know, and you can always, you always knew which cousin it was that the guy married because it was the one that was the slowest runner. Well, there, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, or the number of fingers you have on your hand I mean, that's as that's as high as you can count yeah uh, <laughs> don't don't count thumbs because they're not fingers i know and that confused him well always confused me yeah <laughs> well yeah. <clears throat> let's see you got anything you want to throw in there Harry? no I'm, I'm i'm enjoying listening to what you've got oh there. well okay well let's see what else we got here let's move back a little bit here okay he was a film television uh as you said, worked in a world of westerns. Did the did the theater. Uh, moving on down here, let me see. He was not the kind of actor. <clears throat> once he, <clears throat> pardon me. Once he got into westerns, um, he. I don't think he was the type of actor who was cast or stereotyped as a lawman. Oh. And uh, uh, unlike another guy that I enjoy watching, Ray Teal. Yeah. Uh, He's a lawman in almost, uh, out of the 50 films I think I've seen of Ray Teal, I can uh, I think of only maybe two or three where he did not play a lawman. Well, I can Whether, I know a bunch of them, but yeah. yeah of those, I agree with you, though. Of yeah. those that I've seen, but he, and that was in uh, not only in Westerns, but uh, in other films. I, oh, I caught him in some noir movie as a, a police detective, and I you know? <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing, like, and he, he's, he's a classic example. He had been, he wasn't he wasn't a big star, but he had been a star during the silent era. Mm-hmm. As they transitioned into the 30s, and he was no young, you know, no longer as young or as handsome or pretty, whatever it was mm-hmm. back then. Uh, he started doing the character bits, just like an awful lot of them, mm-hmm. and he just matured into, into it. that thing. And because they, Hollywood's such a typecast. You know, the funny thing is, I look at Paul Fix. And I kind of think of him as the Anglo Charlie Stevens, <laughs> because you know he was slender, mm-hmm. and he always played kind of that uh, on the fence bad guy, you know, like to get the guy that would run from the saloon mm-hmm. to the boss's mm-hmm. office to tell him that John Wayne was in town, you know, <laughs> and uh, and he was always the one that would sidle up and try to get start something with yeah. with with the hero, and then of course get you know knocked on his can mm-hmm. but he, and he was he, he did it marvelously and he had, and you know and that's the thing too because he was such an every man as far as looks yeah, yeah because he did you know he you know we talk about the westerns he did a ton of the cop things and he did a lot of prison movies back in the early days of sound in fact i think he probably did a, a dozen or more right off the bat well and he in later years he was in uh uh, Star Trek, playing yeah. the uh, science, not the science officer, the medical the officer. Doctor, MO, yeah. And that, that was the second one, and, and that was what uh, you mentioned, that was the... Well, it was... It wrap, wrapped around well, with they the had, Christopher Well, they had shot Franklin. the pilot for Star Trek with Jeffrey Hunter. That's it. And then I think 
somewhere in there, Hunter passed away or something happened, mm-hmm. but he what they weren't able to. And the and the studio said, let's go with this show because there's something different about it. Mm-hmm. And so, and you know, I, and you you know, William Shatner till this day, he's probably still thanking his lucky stars. Yeah. And the same way with Nimoy and DeForest Kelly, because Star Trek literally put those guys on the map. You know, that you look did. at Shatner, he's had one of the yeah. greatest careers of all time. Would love to get him on the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, I worked he, with him on, <clears throat> let's see, I did a Petrocelli. I, I stood in for him on Pray for the Wildcats, and I did something else. And then when I lived out in L.A., I used to see him out there at the... Uh, Burbank Equestrian Center all the time because mm-hmm. he'd be out there with his saddlebred horses mm-hmm. uh, competing. Big and I'll time. tell you what, He's good. this guy, you know, a lot of these guys started out and they weren't horsemen. This guy, I don't know if he was a horseman starting out. Oh, and I worked the outrage. That was his first movie. Mm-hmm. And But he, today, and he still... Goes out there and competes. He's yeah. still horseback. He's, what, 80-some years old? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, the guy, he did a couple of these little things with Henry Winkler and uh, Foreman and a couple of other mm-hmm. guys. You know, these five geezers traveling in different, Japan, one one, and then Asia, and then uh, Italy, the other. I never saw anything as funny in my life. <laughs> and it's just these guys, you know, just, they're, you know they'd see something and... Oh, let's react to it. And one episode, uh, uh, Terry Bradshaw comes walking up. They're in the park, right? Comes walking up and he's buck naked. They got the blurred <laughs> thing so you can't see it. And they and they they go, Terry, what are you doing? He says, Oh, it was just such a nice day out. I, you know. <laughs> well, and on that note, <clears throat> I think it is time to uh, do our very first commercial break. There we go. So we will be back with much more right here on Animal <laughs> Franzi's Voices of the West right after these important messages. Do stay tuned. Abel Franzi's Voices of the West will be right back. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club has served Southern Arizona since its original incorporation in 1948. We have a 9,000 square foot clubhouse with a restaurant and lounge, and we're open year-round for all your sporting needs. Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday from 7.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Come out and join us at our world-renowned facility located here in the Old Pueblo, Tucson Trap and Ski Club at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. For more information, call 883-6426. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. Tucson Estate Planning, where attorneys Ron Zach and Chanel Schmitz design estate plans to keep you out of court. There are so many people who say they do estate planning. What they're doing is they're just picking up forms. It's not a lot different than just going on and getting your own forms and filling them out. That causes a lot of problems. We know what goes to court. We know what problems come up. Zach and Schmitz, PLC. Estate planning attorneys you can trust. 520-664-3420. TucsonEstatePlanning.com. 
Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. And welcome back. It is another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Good Saturday afternoon to you. I'm Harry Alexander. On the other side of the glass is my good friend Bunker D. France, and we are. Oh, he's he's wiping off the glass there. I didn't realize it was dirty, but apparently it is. Yeah. So, <laughs> let me turn that yeah. microphone on there oh, for you. Breathe heavy, you fog it up. You well, know. yeah, we, can, <laughs> we certainly can do that, and frequently have done that. Uh, we our age, we're breathing heavy most of the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, if you'd like to invo- get yourself involved in the conversation here with us, uh, here's how you do it. You just uh, give us a call at. 844-908-WEST, 844-908-9378. And the little call-in scrolly thingy is uh, moving across there on the on the YouTube channel. Hope you are watching on the YouTube channel. Yes. If not, you know, why not? Uh, we'd really love to have you uh, take care of, uh, join us uh, on, on the YouTube and uh, uh, enjoy our our programs uh, like right there. So in order to do that, well, you don't have to subscribe, but we'd sure love it if you would subscribe to the YouTube channel. They'd love it. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, there's some other goodies up there, too. So uh, coming up after uh, today's uh, uh, edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, it is the old-time radio theater. Yeah. And it is uh, the adventures of the Cisco Kid and Pancho, as oh, well Cisco. as... As well as... Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McCray. Oh, one of our favorites. Yes, indeed. It is certainly uh, very, yeah, definitely one of our favorites. Uh, I, I, I love that show. Yeah. You know, I, I just, it's just oh, that good. Speaking of McCray, yes. I came across a uh, little article in the Rio Dosa newspaper, mm-hmm. twice weekly publication, like newspapers should be. <laughs> because, like, if you take the local paper, you take the whole week, you can't fill up one day. No. But Especially there was a little article paper. in there about uh, one of the forts in New Mexico. Mm. And it mentioned in there a Captain McRae. Mm-hmm. So I clipped it out and sent it over to Wyatt and uh, mm-hmm. Lisa. I used a little note saying, hey, I don't know if this is a relative or not, but you might be interested. Yeah. You know, because you know, those guys, they're, they're like family almost. They really are. You know, you, just, yeah. you meet some people <clears> and just... You're quick and it's great. Yeah, you stick. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got a couple, little more pieces of oh, obscuria. Isn't that Go a great word? Obscuria. obscuria. Whatever. What does it mean anyway? Or, I don't know, but I'm sure you'll come up with a definition at some point. Well, whatever the definition, I'm sure it's pretty obscure. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, he was a regular performer for the director Frank Borzaghi, and I know a lot of folks nowadays are scratching their heads, going, "Who the heck is Borzaghi?" Mm-hmm. But he was. 
he was a big time director in the 30s and into the early 40s and highly respected still highly respected among people that love film and this is the one that, that, that kind of blows me away Everybody's familiar with the movie The The Bad Seed. Mm -hmm. They forget that it was a hit, and I mean a big, big hit, on Broadway. Hmm. Well, he played Richard uh, Bravo in both the play and the movie, and both of them were award-winning and nominated for all kinds of stuff, and it's considered a classic of its type. Hmm. Now, this is the real piece of obscuria. Who was his agent in 1950? I'll just throw it out. Shecky Green. <laughs> I don't oh, know. God, you're so close. <laughs> really? No, actually, it was Nat Goldstone. <laughs> wow. But you had green and gold, and they're both yeah, colors. Well, okay, okay. You know, so, yeah, that's not it's, bad, I, Harry. I can only think of Shecky Green. I I'll, I'll don't even you, know I'll why give, that. I'll give you a, a decimal for that. I don't even know why that came up, but it did. Because he's a funny man. Well, yes, he was. Well, I want, I'm going to kind of, kind of even get more weirder now. Uh, one of his pictures. Is that pictures, possible? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just starting. Wait till you really get me rolling. Uh, the Prisoner of Shark Island. Uh-huh. Are you familiar with that one here? Uh-uh. Well, that was actually a pretty good movie. Uh, directed by John Ford. Uh, 1936, 95 minutes, black and white. And... It was about Dr. Samuel Mudd. Well. You remember Dr. Samuel I Mudd? I definitely remember Dr. Samuel Mudd. Yes. yes. Well, anyhow, uh, Warner Baxter was Baxter was Dr. Mudd. And you know, I'll skip over most of the names. Uh, although Francis McDonald played John Wilkes Booth. Harry Carey Sr. was in it. John Carradine was the sadistic sergeant there in at uh, Sharks Island. Great, great. Uh, and uh, who else would we part here? <clears throat> uh, Fred Kohler Jr., his dad was one of the great heavies of the end of the silence into the, I mean, I don't know how many times he fought John Wayne. Mm -hmm. And this is a guy that could whip John Wayne, except in the movies they wouldn't let him. Right, but, right. I mean, this guy was notorious. And who else have we got here? Of course, Paul was in there. Oh, and there was a fellow named Ernest Whiteman. And the unique thing about him is that he was Dr. Mudd's uh, black comrade in prison. Hmm. And that was one of the first times, well, maybe not, but it was one of the few times mm -hmm. where you had a black actor giving a really key part, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and not, and not just the comic, you know, side comic side guy mm -hmm. and that was kind of it let's see if i got anything else well mud mud the true story of mud he was held uh, at uh the dry tortugas off the florida coast mm -hmm. um <clears throat> at, uh, fort jefferson which is now a national national park and um he he made quite the name for himself there treating uh prisoners who had uh succumbed or were about to succumb to malaria and typhus and, yeah. and yeah and yellow fever um those were big time diseases uh, back then he became a hero yeah he did and uh uh without him uh being there a lot of people probably would have died and he was paroled because of that That's and then right. went on to have a have a practice afterwards yep and i think 
I heard, I don't, I've not been able to confirm it, but uh, the uh, former NBC News guy, uh, Roger Mudd, is a uh, descendant of yeah. uh, Dr. Mudd. Oh, okay. So, I think well, that's kind of interesting. Now, here's one that's dear to all of our hearts, and we're going to be showing it down at the Empire sometime in April with the Turner Movie Classics, Red River. Yes. Yes. He was one of the cowboys on that. And just to kind of skim over some of the things, that was a United Artists Monterey production. Howard Hawks was the director, and it was one of Wayne's great westerns and mm-hmm. one of the great westerns of all time. It is, yes. The uh, story came from Saturday Evening Post, and it was the Chisholm Trail. It was a serialized story by uh, Borden Chase, who also contributed to the script. Mm-hmm. And Chase is one of the great, I think, one of the great Western writers. We we need to do a show on him and some of those other guys mm-hmm. in that era, mm-hmm. the writers, because he just was a great writer. Uh, what else have we got on that? Anything? Oh, Demetri Tompkin. If Emil was here, yeah. we, we could do a half hour or an uh, hour with Demetria Tompkin. Uh, what do you mean? Uh, yeah. We'd be doing a lot longer. <laughs> a lot longer. We'd do a two or three-parter here. Yeah. And okay, I'm going I'm to run through this one because what I like about it is I've got some of the character names in the parts. Okay. We don't always get that. Okay. John Wayne was Thomas Dunson. Uh, Montgomery Cliff was Matthew Gart. Walter Brennan was, I love his name, Groot Nadine. What a great name, Groot. Hey, Groot. Hey, Groot. What's, what's up, Groot? <laughs> and then, of course, Harry Harry Carey Sr., and I believe this was one of his last pictures. Mm-hmm. And he was sick at the time. Uh, John Ireland is Cherry Valance, and I think that's probably his greatest greatest portrayal. And just in the, in the way it was structured, that, that – uh, Competition between him and him mm-hmm. and uh, Montgomery Cliff, mm-hmm. and you know you keep you're thinking these guys going to shoot it out in the end because yeah. they're yeah. and they end they end up friends. It, it, there's a lot of curves in this movie. Yep. What else have we got here? Oh, Joanne Drew, who was uh, Tess uh, Malloy, she's and a came back to do another one picture with it. And uh, what do we got here? Harry Carey Jr., one of the rat, one of the cowboys. Noel Berry Jr. I mean, you know. Yep. He stands out in that thing. He's the and he's the one that spots the train when they're when they're get, yeah. getting into Abilene. Yep. Yep. And of course, Paul Fix, Tom Tyler, who was a big big star in the silence and especially in the serials. I mean, he was Captain Marvel. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Lane Chandler, another big star in the silence, yep. and then and then was a star in the early sound and. Yep. Then, Ended up doing character stuff and mm-hmm. just worked for a long, long time. Seen him in uh, Tex Ritter movies and yeah. uh, Eddie Dean movies and such. So and then his, this is one of the great ones, <clears throat> Sherry Shelley Winters. No kidding. She was, you know, when they're in the, the in the camp and the one girl is dancing yeah. by the fire. Yeah. That's her. Oh man. I mean, yeah. wow. was that her film debut? Yeah. You know? Oh, Chief Yoahachi. Mm-hmm. And you know, he won. He won the teeth. Yes. That was so neat. And he'd let, he'd let them have them to eat, but he want them back. Back. Give me back. <laughs> and did you know that he was a trained opera singer? Was he really? Yes, yes, he was. Well, that's what we got here. Hank Warden, one of my favorite people of all times. I mean, Hank Warden, anybody that ever worked Westerns with the Cowboys loved Hank Warden. Yeah. How could you not? And you know the funny thing? In the early days, going back, he was one of the very, very, very best horsemen in the business. Mm-hmm. This guy rides saddle broncs, everything. I mean, 
you double all the, the silent guys. The guy was, he was a phenomenal horseman. Hey, we got to do another break okay. here. But before we do that, I forgot to mention in our news at the top of the hour there, uh, or happenings, whatever you want to call it, there's a new Western oh. coming out. And I believe it's to be released in March, uh, which would be next month. And it stars Christopher Pratt, and it's uh, Billy Kid, B- Billy the Kid. And the trailer I saw looked pretty doggone good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Onofrio, uh, Vincent Onofrio is directing yeah, it. And plays and, in it as well. And plays in it. And this guy, I'll tell you, you know, it's like the remake of Magnificent mm-hmm. Seven. The only good thing in that whole movie was him. <laughs> and he played he played the mountain man with this little squeaky voice that, you know, as soon as I heard it, I went, JPS Brown. I mean, that yeah. that's a real voice. Yeah, right. And, and it takes guts for an actor to do to that. To pull that off, exactly. Yeah. Hey, we got to do our break. We'll be right back with much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West right after these important messages. Do stay tuned. California. The Californian. California. I've come to live where life is best. In the golden west, I'm gonna strike it rich in California. of the West. We'll be right back. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. Contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats, but did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. 
As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Welcome back to Abel Franzing's Voices of the West. And welcome back. Uh, it's a Saturday afternoon. I'm Harry Alexander right here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. With me is my uh, good buddy on the other side over the glass, who it would be uh, Bunker D. France. He keeps cleaning things. I guess it's a little filthy over there. Um, but that's on your side. Yeah. <laughs> it always is. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about the movies of and uh, the acting career of uh, Paul Fix. You knew him probably uh, by... Uh, as the name of uh, Micah Torrance in uh, The Rifleman. He played the uh, town law. And, uh, can't oh, remember. no. Was he a, I can't remember, a marshal or sheriff? Marshal. 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 Marshal, yeah. And you know, so many of these have either a town marshal or a town a sheriff or... A deputy. Yeah. Sometimes they were a ranger, you know, or... Or yeah. railroad detective like Dottie Murphy and Whispering Smith. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the book we were trying to remember from. That's it. Whispering yeah. Smith. Okay, I got to find that one. Well, back to Red River yes. now. This is where it gets interesting for me. This next person, Eva Maul Barnett. That's Maul Barnett. She was the woman in the rocking chair. Now, what's unique is she was the downer from the Sonoida area. She okay. was a local. Now, this gets even more for me interesting. The Wranglers. Mm-hmm. And these the Wranglers on this show, they had the livestock, wagons, and even did stunts. Mm-hmm. And among those fellows was Luke Randolph, Bill Douglas, Benny Ward, who I knew really well. Uh, he wrangled for years. He wrangled Chaparral, which we just played. Vernon Mounts. I knew Vernon really, really well. He was also the guy, as time went by, was the livestock contractor. He had a little... A, uh, stables right down where the freeway is and 22nd no 30 uh 32nd i think it was and anyhow he was there for years he furnished the livestock for the rodeo parade uh i mean the wagons and Hmm. stuff like you know all the wagons they had all the wagons out at the rodeo grounds yeah where do you get the horses well, and the neat thing about Vernon was that he kept a lot of the, because a lot of cowboys used to snowbird down here mm-hmm. back in those days because they had the rodeo, mm-hmm. they had the parade, mm-hmm. they had the dude ranches, they had the racetrack, mm-hmm. and so they could get through the winter. And Vernon really was a was a key player in all this and worked for years. In fact, he was still working when I left when I left in '78 uh, for California. Mm. And anyhow, then moving on, let's see, what do we got here? Oh, Frank Clark, old Uncle Frank, the cowboy in in uh, bib overalls. <laughs> and he was he was the, the mule man here. He went there, they had the mules and stuff, he was the guy that they went to. Now one of the neat things is now, the now first before you go into that, uh I want to take a phone call. Take a phone call, please. It uh is supposed to be 
Margo on the phone. Hi, Margo. Hello, Hello gentlemen. Hey, there you are. It's oh, Margo. I got to turn you up. You have to speak can louder. I can't me? hear you. Yeah, we can hear you. He can't. I can't. Go can ahead. you hear me? Oh, well, I can hear you. <laughs> I just uh, I want to thank you so much. I'm thoroughly enjoying uh, hearing about Paul Fix, and uh, I got to say I'm a little awkward calling, but Bunker told me if I don't call, I'm going to break his heart, and <laughs> I don't want to break Bunker's heart, and, or and I surely don't want to hear about it for the next 25 years if I and don't call. Oh, and you, you, and you certainly would. You'll hear about it anyway, but that's all right. Well, thank you. You saved my life. What 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 uh, is your favorite uh, performance of Paul Fix uh, in in the Rifleman or any of the other things he appeared in? Probably in the Rifleman, but you know, I was talking with Bunker about Paul Fix, and you know, mm -hmm. Paul Fix. Boy, I think he passed away probably soon after I was out of high school. But mm -hmm. I remember even as a young child, it's like I just fell in love with Paul Fix long before I ever even knew his name. Uh, he's that kind of actor that you just you're just mm -hmm. seeing him in everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he's just so diverse. And, you know, like like Bunker said, just just sort of a sort of an everyman. But um you know, and I, I knew, I know he could play a borderline heavy, but you know, there was something about him that I just trusted him. You know, he's just—he's <laughs> one of those people that I wish I could have met. Right? When you yeah, always yeah. run across those right. those people mm -hmm. and those heroes, you think, man, what I would have loved to sit down and have a conversation with him. He's mm -hmm. that for me. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That is cool. Anything yeah. else, Margo? And. Yeah, Pardon share me? some more. Anything else? Throw in some more. No, no, I just, you know, I just wanted to, you know, if you don't mind me sidetracking one moment, because I did miss the show, I just want to, I just want to say once again how much we miss Mr. Joe Dreyfus, uh, yes. true gentleman, yeah. and I didn't get a chance to call in on your show, but mm -hmm. I just want to thank both of you gentlemen for uh, Voices of the West for keeping it alive and doing such a great job. and. Thank uh you. I want to tell Bunker that I love him. Well, and, I'll, uh, I'll take that. Thanks again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Margo. Thank you so much for uh, giving us a call today. Appreciate thank it. Thank you, Margo. You made my day. <laughs> well, okay. Absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Have bye -bye. a great day. Keep up the good thank work. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, here's one little, a little bit more about Red River here. The oops, the first Teamster card in Arizona for a local was Bill Douglas, one of the Wranglers, and mm -hmm. worked a lot of stuff. Uh, the locations for Red River in Arizona was Elgin, Rain Valley, Sonoda Creek, San Pedro River, and the Empire Ranch, and then mm -hmm. of course now the Iverson Ranch out in California and the Salt Flats. It was nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, one of the very best. And it was remade in uh, for TV in 1988 with James Arness, who yep. was kind of the John Wayne of television. Now. What else you got now? Well, I've got, I've got just oh, a little oh, thing here. I'm going to show this. Some, Can uh, you see that, Harry? Red need River to get closer. World premiere opened at Pueblo uh, Theater to show through Saturday. That's Rio Dosa, where I grew up. Okay, and you know, and it's so funny because <clears throat> the the premiere date uh, was from the twenty seventh August nineteen forty eight, 
which would have been right after the premiere. But I know they didn't have the world premiere there. They probably <laughs> they may have had the Riadosa world premiere there. But I just thought that was just so darn neat. Okay. You know, kind of, you know, ties me into it in some way that I don't understand. But it Mystical, does. of course. There you go, of course. And that's that's the oh, yes. this is neat too. I watched. I've been trying all week for the last two weeks to catch some episodes. Of and I keep, I'm, I'm never home at that time. Mm-hmm. Yesterday I got home and I'm going four o'clock. I'm going to watch it. Well, at 3.25 I went, wait a minute, it comes on at three. <laughs> so I, I got just the last, last scene of uh, uh, Chuck Connors is telling Mort Mills, mm-hmm. well, you're a dummy for whatever mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the always the, the father-son scene at the end. Right. Well, the next episode, which is the one I did get to see, and I think it's it's a great episode for this or this show because it's the Charming Billy episode. Ah, You're yeah. familiar with that, right? Yeah. Charming yeah. Billy was this con man. Yeah. Well, the episode starts, the, cha- the stage pulls into into North Fork, a fictitious New Mexico town. And I think the driver was Leroy Johnson. I couldn't I couldn't really see him that clear. But the door opens and this older full woman steps she's standing there and everybody is kind of laughing at her because mm-hmm. she has decked out like mm-hmm. she's she's in St. Louis going to the opera. The cat's pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> and every, and she gets out and then she and then she goes, Come on and her kid and that's Tommy Newland. Oh my <laughs> and he's like long and lanky. Wow. He always played those long yeah. lanky kids. You know, the sleeve is here, the the cuff is about that uh-huh. far above the ankle. Yeah, yeah. He gets out and she she looks over and she goes, Ah and faints. <laughs> So anyhow, they carry her in. They take off. They take. They they rip her bodice, cut the corset strings, and come back. And everybody in town is standing there, going, "What's going on?" And she comes out, and she goes, "Howard," (laughs) and she's looking at Micah. Uh huh. And Micah goes, "You're my husband." And Micah goes, "Uh." Uh, Because like you mentioned earlier, there was a period in Micah's life when he had he would blank out from drinking. Right. Well, and so he's like, I'm not sure. Yep. And they're going on and they're going on. And anyhow, but he, as the show goes, he's kind of starting to like her because, you know, it's like he's the old bachelor. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, he's up to, he goes up to, oh, there's a scene in there. He comes into his into his little room upstairs, you know. I think it's Doc Adams set for her because it's upstairs. But anyhow, he goes up in there and he walks in. There's the cat on the on the uh, table, you mm-hmm. know, the bachelor's cat. Mm-hmm. And he goes and he goes over to the stove and he opens the door and looks and there's a litter of kittens in there. You know, <laughs> so next time you see it, the stove nice. is going. Nice. The cat's still there. I don't know what happened to the kittens, but she's cooking dinner. Okay. And 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 he says, That smells good. What is it? And she goes, It's your favorite, Howard. <laughs> and he says Lamb stew? Mm-hmm. He, says, well, yes. he says, how did you know? He says, we were married. And he's starting to believe this now, right? Wow. Well, meanwhile, because him and her, Lucas has been kind of tending the, the sheriff's office, marshal's office, mm-hmm. right? And they've got a whole packet of wanted posters that are coming. He just gives them to, gives them. Much. He says, go, go out and hang them up, Mark. Mm-hmm. So he's out there, and you hear, pop! Ah! And he goes out there, and he's standing there with his back against the bulletin board, right? Mm-hmm. And he's going, well, what is it, Mark? He goes, 
and he moves, <laughs> and here's this poster of her. Well, and, and it's picture of, of Paul Fix, but it's got oh, okay, it's got all these aliases, and, and Charming Billy is one of the aliases. Yeah, yeah. And he, he, I think he'd been in a previous episode. I'm not sure. So anyhow, the 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 last known location. Connors gets on his horse, he rides over, goes into the saloon, and there he is playing playing poker. He got the shade, you know, the shade mm-hmm, on and the mm-hmm. cards on. And he's supposed to be a commenter. And he goes, he got the drop on him right away. He said, and why have you got the drop on me now? <laughs> he's got his teeth out in front, so he's kind of young. Mm-hmm. And he got this big <clears throat> face on him. And said, why are you doing pointing the gun at me? So he shoots about five bottles off, bam, 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 you know, like. Mm-hmm. And he's still not taking too serious. And he tells the guy, stand up. He said, take the gun belt off. And the guy comes over and takes the gun belt off. And he goes like, he goes like, scratch his ear, and he goes, leave your hand down. Come on, there's a knife behind it. He pulls the knife uh-huh. out. So anyhow, they load up, <clears throat> ride back to North Fork, and it turns out that charming Billy was the husband mm-hmm. and of course and of course the, the the boy there's a great scene between the two of them because he's trying to explain to the boy why he's no good to be as a father and he goes but you're my paul and they end up bonding and so the family ends up together <laughs> nice. but all through the thing the kid has been whittling he starts out with a stick long that, stick uh-huh. by the end of it he's, he's whittled a rope, yep. a rope chain nice and they go off in the buggy and micah goes up the stairs and puts it up and mark and and mark and Lucas. Big Daddy, mm-hmm. they they look at each other and they got this look on their faces like they <laughs> really feel sorry for Micah. And he gets up and he turns around and looks around. He's got the chain hanging around his and he just got this look on his face like <laughs> like happiness just rolled away. Yeah, yeah. But it was a great episode and That's it got cool. to show you know a couple of different yeah, sides yeah. and how versatile he really that was. That is cool. We got to do our final commercial break here. Do stay tuned. We'll be right back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Listen to these important messages because these people help sponsor this program. And they're important to us. And they are important, very important to us. We'll be right back. I can see a windswept sky When the clouds stampede the sun I can hear the coyotes cry When my day's work is done And the sage grass turns We'll be right back. Have you tried to set up your own last will and testament? It's frustrating. One size does not fit all. A will is the only way in Arizona that you can name a guardian for your minor children. You can also use a will to name a guardian for an adult. I like to think of it as not just a way to make sure things go to who you want. A will is a great way to keep out who you don't want. Zach and Schmidt's PLC, the experience to guide you through the legal maze. 520-664-3420, TucsonEstatePlanning.com. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. Do 
The Tucson Trap and Ski Club has served Southern Arizona since its original incorporation in 1948. We have a 9,000 square foot clubhouse with a restaurant and lounge, and we're open year round for all your sporting needs. Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday from 7.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Come out and join us at our world-renowned facility located here in the Old Pueblo, Tucson Trap and Skeet Club at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. For more information, call 883-6426. Hi, this is Joe Montaigne. Every time my Uncle Willie tells me about his service in Patton's Third Army in World War II, I'm reminded of what we owe the U.S. Army. Fourteen generations of American soldiers who have courageously defended our nation. Their stories represent the best of America and should never be forgotten. Join me to help build the National Museum of the United States Army, a long overdue tribute to all American soldiers. To learn more, visit armyhistory.org. Well, it didn't play, but uh, welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. What is it that didn't play? Uh, welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Oh, okay. That's what didn't play. And uh, no, oh, you're, you're welcome. Yes. Yeah, you are not uh, in Noirville here. Uh, the picture of Bunker is uh, framed like we're <laughs> in Noir. Oh, yes. But you got the sun on you, and I guess that's I important. I love it. What else we got about Mr. Well, Paul Fix? Well, let's, let's do what we got left. Let's cover a few of the TVs. Okay. He did a Colt 45. The episode was called The Golden Gun, and he played the dad, and Ed Burns was the son. Uh, I won't go into the story, but three months later, Ed Burns got the job on 77, 77 Sunset mm-hmm. Strip. Now, he also did a Dick Powell Zane Gray Theater, which was one of the finest anthologies of its day and even now. And he did an episode, Metal for Valor. And with that one, uh, I'm trying to remember who he was. Oh, he was Rufus Stewart in that one, Richard Bazehart. And Richard Anderson, he played his son in that one. He did a Texan with Rory Calhoun, which I've always loved that show. He did a Restless Gun with John Payne. Great show. And this is the interesting thing. The Texans and Restless Gun... We're on opposite each other for a couple of years, which that's always that's always frustrating. Yeah, when you see one of those actors on one show and then you flip to the other and you see them on there, it's like they just walked out the studio door and they just rode the horse across, across, yeah. across yeah. from one stage to the other. Yeah. And then he did he did a uh, a uh, riverboat, uh, one of the most confusing westerns ever done, I think. Yeah, but they, it was still good. It was good, but they couldn't figure out what they were what they were or what they were doing, you know. And well, was, they only had the. <laughs> One way that two ways they could go up the river or down the yeah, river. Down the river. Well, yeah, but they could stop. <laughs> well, that's along true. The way. Yeah. Now let's let's deal with the western, the, the TV one, the rifleman. Yep. We got yeah. about uh, four minutes left. Okay. Well, that ran from September 30th, 1958, to July 1st, 1963. It was a half hour western, black and white on ABC. Of course, Chuck Connors was Lucas McCoy. Johnny Crawford McCain. was Mark McCain. McCain. I said McCoy, didn't I? I'm you thinking did. of Walter Brennan. Yes, you are. Louie, <laughs> looking. <laughs> and then, of course, Paul Fix was Marshal Micah Torrance. 
Uh, and then there was Joan Taylor, who was Miss Molly, and she was on from 60 to 62. They brought her on because they thought uh, his character was getting a little too serious, and so they wanted a little Lighten romance a in yep, there. Yep. Uh, and then in uh, 62 to 63, uh, Patricia Brayer was brought in as Lou Mallory. She was the hotel owner and, and with a woman of mysterious means. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Quinn, uh, Quinn was Sweeney, the bartender. Hope Summers was on from 58 to 60, and she was Hattie Denton. She was the, sto- the storekeeper mm-hmm. and also part-time Mark babysitter. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason they let her go is because when Patricia Bear came on, they took over that that role, so mm-hmm. they you know save money, get rid of the get rid of the old dame. Mm-hmm. And what else have we got here? Uh, well, Richard Donner, uh, the director I worked with, uh, he directed some of the episodes. And oh, this is interesting here. Uh, from '58 to '59, it was in you know the top top 30. It was number four. From '59 to '60, it was number 27, and '60 to '61, it was tied for 27. So for three out of the four years alone, it was one of the top shows uh, that we're playing in. Suffice to say that Paul Fix was uh, a fixture, if you will. Oh, in yeah. um, in Hollywood, he did a number of different roles, more than four hundred credits. Yeah. I mean that that's that's working. You know, probably the most the <clears throat> most overlooked credit and probably the most important one is the Night of the Lepus, because both of us were in it. Okay, and I think it was something else that he was in, but you know, and it, this you know this is this movie is is. Uh, a cult classic, and if you're into cults, man, you gotta, yeah, you gotta yeah. love it. it. It should be covered with a cloak, but that's <laughs> all right. Yeah. Let's see. Well, we got just to hit some of the movies, which everybody be familiar with. She wore a yellow ribbon. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good one. Uh, Denver and the Rio Grande, and that's a, he had a great part in that one. He was he was the engineer, and I can't remember the guy who was his stoker, but he, by the end of the movie, the, the Stoker, they get, they, he says, you like to play poker? And the Stoker goes, well, I, I, I don't know the game. Well, by the end of the movie, the Stoker is now the engineer. He's the Stoker. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the engineer, is, he, he does star tricks. So, you know, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. He, it was just a great, and it, you know, Edmund O'Brien, it was a good, good little uh, train western. Nice. Of course, the only, the only one problem in that picture <coughs> And Edmund O'Brien did that in his early westerns. Well, cocking the hat. That hat. That drove me you know, nuts. Yeah. But but he, he did a good job, and he was good in westerns. Guy was a fine actor, but that was one of the things. And in Hondo, he was, again, with Wayne. You know, he, there he was, just chugging along. We were talking, well, we well, were done, actually, talking about the uh, career of actor Paul Fix on Movie Saturday here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. What are we doing next week? I have no clue, but uh, maybe we'll have somebody on from the book festival um, if we can come up with an idea, or prime away, or whatever. I, I don't well, know. Well, yeah, that's right. Because maybe we can rope one of those guys yeah. in, or maybe we'll do the show live out there. I don't oh, know. that would be so that, cool. Yeah, that would. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if that even happens. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you for joining us today uh, here on Emil Francie's Voices of the West. <clears throat> Please do subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, like us there. Uh, like us on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com 
slash Voices of the West. And uh, until then, we'll... Uh, and keep those cards and letters coming. By in. golly, do so. But <laughs> none, none of that nifty little dirt or dust in there. Yeah. We, don't, we don't need that stuff. You know, All right. We, we take smoke signals. We take Pony Express. We do. We want to hear from you. Yeah, we do. All right. Thank you for listening and watching today. We'll be back next Saturday right here on uh, the Voices of the West Radio Network. We'll be back. Thank you. Adios.